Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, the gift of laughter, the gift of girlfriends is so filling. And I thank you so much. I thank you so much for allowing us to be together. I thank you for the time together in our realities, whether it's a, a statement of joy, whether it's a place of pain. Lord, you know where each and every one of us are. And you use each other to fill one another. And I'm so amazed, so absolutely amazed at what you do by creating the very family of God, for gifting us with sisters in Christ. Oh, Lord God, above all things today, I thank you for that. I thank you that we get to love. And we get to show love to one another. And it shows our love for you. It's such an easy task that you've given to us. And especially in the realm of women inseparable, it makes it so easy to love one another here. But I thank you that we get to just love, just love. I pray that we will continue to do our loving in word and laughter and scripture and prayer. That we'll always and forever exhort one another and encourage one another as it's called today. Help us to love. I pray that you'll open up the word of God today, Lord. We're in 1 John and I want to teach the entire book today. But God, I pray that you'll give us wisdom and give us directions to which exact verses that we're to focus on to grow us in this area and forgiveness. Help us to take it personal. Help us to stand strong. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Love. We get to um, turn a corner in our study of who holds forgiveness. This has been a powerful study. Would you agree? Yes. Powerful study. We've come with the word on our head. We've come, some of us, with the words in our heart. Some of us, we come with the word forgiveness locked up in a box. And we're seeing in scripture that it ought not ever be locked up in a box. Because the more you open the box, the more you express the words of, this is my struggle with forgiveness, the more God can say, I've covered it in light. I've covered it in light. And I'm so ready to talk about light, partly because, <clears throat> insider information, I'm working on a study on light, on the word light in scripture. Don't tell anybody. It's good. And I'm slightly on fire and I want to like veer right into, let's go on to the light study. But it goes, it goes hand in hand with this forgiveness. It's what we see in 1 John, it's what we see in Ephesians 5. You bring something, you bring that issue, that matter of darkness into the light and Ephesians 5 says that anything that's brought into the light is now visible and is therefore now light. Which means when you bring that issue of forgiveness into the light and it's no longer darkness, that issue that was, once was darkness is now light for somebody else's darkness to become light. Say, but I really don't want to share my battle of forgiveness. Share it. Share it because it will free that darkness out of you and turn it into light. Share it because it'll take somebody else's darkness out of them and turn that into light. That's power. That's forgiveness. That's enough to call it a day. Oh, are you ready for scripture? I'm telling you, I want to do the entire book of 1 John. It's five chapters. I figured last year about this time we got to speak at a retreat and we spent two and a half days talking about 1 John. You ready? 
<laughs> Anybody else have anywhere to go? Because I don't. I only have, you know, a meeting after this. I can cancel it. Can I cancel my meeting? I can just stay here and study all day. <laughs> Sounds good. First John. John, when he writes, he always goes back to the beginning. Something that you notice. He focuses, when you look at his, his um, the book of John, when you look at his letters, he always goes back to the beginning. First John 1, 1, he says, that which was from, from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. Do you see the passion of John's words? The life, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal light, which was from the Father and was made manifest to us. And this is where we enter in to the letter of 1 John. We're entered in. As a child of God, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are part of this, to which we can stand and say, the life was made manifest, and I've seen it. John, John literally saw the face of Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't say that sentence without wanting just to sit in that for a long time. John is face to face. John was shoulder to shoulder. John shared bread with Jesus. He touched, he touched in friendship, arm around each other, arms linked in, hugs, tears shared. He was an intimate friend of Jesus in the flesh. He's seen him and he testifies. You and I today, we may not have seen his face. First John tells us later that we will. We will, and we're gonna see that in a second, but there's been a time in every one of our lives. Our words might be different, our story might be different, but every one of us in our life can say, I did not know Jesus, and then one day I did know Jesus. I learned that he was the eternal son of God. I learned that he came to earth. I heard that in the beginning he was flesh and dwelt among us. I learned that he died on the cross. I know that he was buried. I learned that he rose again and that he did that for me and I believed. Could we all say that? That's our story. If there's somebody that does not know Jesus as your savior, today can be your day that you met Jesus. And I pray today is always the day that somebody meets Jesus. May somebody get saved every day, every day, all the days, all the days, that's always the goal. What's the goal? Salvation, for who? Go find someone. Go find someone and say, do you know Jesus? How do you say that? Oh, like this. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty simple. And we here have it even easier. We have a card that says, I don't know if you know Jesus, but this will help you meet him. Have a great day. You just told something about Jesus. Somebody could get saved today simply because you said the name Jesus to somebody else. And we join this group and we say the life was made manifest and we, we've seen him. We've seen him. And I, we've seen what he's done in our lives, haven't we? Can't we look back from the day we got saved to the day that we're living today and say, I've 
seen the, I've seen what Jesus can do. And I testify of the life that he can do. That's where we are. This is who we are. We're going to so sadly, so sadly skip up to chapter three. But personal challenge, you want a fun personal challenge? Like very seriously, we always say we're gonna read a letter, a part of a book, read all the book, ha ha ha. Seriously, read the whole book of First John. It's a personal letter, read it. And if you'll take this challenge, this is my personal challenge, somewhere in your Bible or in your notebook or in your study guide, whatever, wherever you keep your notes, write the word seed of evil. Write the word seed of evil. So those of us that don't know how to garden are wondering what I'm saying, seed, like something that you plant in soil, like a seed. I don't know, apparently if you plant a seed, it'll grow into a tree. I don't know how to keep plants alive. I was given herbs. <laughs> Suddenly you keep herbs alive. Sure, you know what I'm doing with my herbs? Drying them out on my countertop. <laughs> and then you can crunch them up and eat them, right? Seed. Write the words seed of evil. You can give me some gardening tips later. <laughs> and then I want you to write the words God's seed. The seed of God. These are the two things. And my personal challenge that I implore you to do, whether it's over this week or the next month or however long it takes you and your God to do this together, read 1 John and look specifically through the eyes and the idea of the seed of evil and look through the eyes and the idea of the seed of God, God's seed. Let the Holy Spirit work. There's your personal challenge. Look at the seed of evil. Look at God's seed and look at you. You're ready to put your feet into this forgiveness study. You're ready to go from, okay, I get it. I've embraced scripture so desperately and what it means to be forgiven. My sins are forgiven. And now at this point here, eight, nine weeks into our study, when we hear the word forgiveness, we're no longer thinking about that person. We're no longer thinking about that situation. We're now thinking, I'm in the hand of God. My sins, my sins are forgiven. This is where we're at. And I know this is where most of us are because the smiles washed across the room. Our brains have changed when we hear the word forgiveness. And we've learned over and over and over, it's not about that situation. It's about the fact that Jesus rose again and my Father God has forgiven me of my sins. And we're blown away. We're blown away and we're ready to show it. Like we can't even like sit in a seat anymore. I got to stand and teach the other day. I never stand and teach, I always sit and teach. Oh. That was fun standing and teaching. I was ready to like jump over the little podium and be like, let's talk some more. <laughs> I'm ready to, to stand and proclaim it's time to show our forgiveness. We are forgiven of our sins. We are forgiven of our sins. It's time to show it. Here's how. And it's work. We ready? First John 3. First John 3, 1. And I pray the Lord will speak directly to each and every one of our hearts where we are. Not all of us need the same uh, word. Ever thought about that? Not all of us are in the same season. Ever notice that? Sometimes we all go through different things. So we all need a different word of advice. We need a different counsel. We need a different 
portion of scripture to feed us in that moment. My prayer is as we go through this, that you'll listen so intently to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, not to anybody else in this room, not to anybody else in your home, not to anybody else in your workplace, anybody else in your small groups, you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and hold on to that. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Do you see it? Some of us can check out right there. We know what we need to do. Forgiveness is about me. God has forgiven me, and I need to focus right now on seeing fully that love of the Father that he's given to me. I need to see it. I need to see it. And all day long, I need to be in the mindset of seeing it. And your eyes are now being trained. See the love that my Father has given to me. See the situations, the relationships that bring me to this issue inside of me where I don't want to forgive, but I know that I'm forgiven by God, and I want to show it. I need to see it. And right now, that's all you need from today is I need to show the forgiveness that I have from my God, and I need to see the love of the Father in that situation, in this marriage, in this child, in this grandchild, in this friend, in this sister, in this season. I need to just see the love that my Father has given to me. Oh, if that's you, stay right there. Listen to the rest, because Scripture is so good always. But mark that down as your personal challenge. That's you and your God. This is what John continues. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. Oh, the love that he has given to us. Not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we have a place. John says, and so we are, period. Matter of fact, you're doubting it? There's your statement. So we are. So I am. I am the child of God, so I am. So I am, so I am. Over and over and over. Get that doubt out of your head. He says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Don't take it personal, Christian, when an unsaved person does not know you and your Christian standards. Don't take that personal. Take it as an opportunity to point them to Jesus. But don't take their opinion about you as a Christian personal. They don't know Jesus. That should be the heartbreaking sentence. Not that this unsaved person doesn't understand me. Of course they don't. They don't understand the love of Jesus. They don't see what kind of love the Father has given to him or to her. You now have a wide open door. Pray for that person all the time. And when the Lord says, open door, ready, go, you say, okay, let me tell you about Jesus. I heard a testimony story yesterday, a video that my son sent me from school. They're not allowed to use their phones at school unless they're talking to their parents. I think that's a great, great rule because it's really building a lot of relationships between parents and high schoolers. I don't know if the high schoolers have noticed this, but we as the parents are like, fantastic job, superintendent. My son sends me this video that he watched in one of his classes, and it was a a Muslim man, he's in his maybe 50s now, and he was saying that when he was a 20-year-old, there was a Christian boy that was going to their um, education unit together, and there was like five or six guys that absolutely, absolutely hated him, hated this Christian boy, hated him to the point that they 
left him for dead. Broke his arm, broke his legs. Just, just left him. Until he was done screaming, they knew he was dead. And they did it for Allah, and he was gone. The boys went home proud, knowing they did the right thing. 30 years later, this man, the lead of this abuse situation, attended a pastoral conference. Figure out the story from there to there, what God did in this man's life. He's attending a pastoral conference, and another man was there. And he comes up and he says, where are you from? And he tells him, this is where I'm from. And he says, do you remember me? That man did not die that day. That man became a pastor for the name of Jesus Christ and was standing face to face with the man who wanted to kill him, who also himself was a pastor of the name of Jesus Christ. Right? The forgiveness of sins. It's amazing. This man who was left for dead said, I knew you hated me so much because I knew you hated God so much. So I wrote your name down on the top of my Bible, and I've prayed for you every day since before you tried to kill me. And he had that same Bible. Some of us in our society have lots of Bibles. Not everybody all over the world has lots of Bibles. He opened his Bible and he showed him the name of the enemy of God. He said, I've been praying for you your whole life because God loves you. Pray, pray for that person. First, isn't that good? Isn't that good? God's love is so good. It's so faithful. It's so faithful every time. And you say, oh, the forgiveness of sins can't even get that far. And Jesus says, did you not see me on the cross? It goes that far. That's how good my blood is. That's how clean it washes everything. And then I rose again, just to seal the deal. Your forgiveness, your sin, gone. It's gone, that seed of evil, it's gone. Here's chapter three. Verse two says, beloved, that's you, pay attention to these words, beloved, we are God's children now. Again, wash that doubt away. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So we know we're God's child, but we know something is not right because we're still human. And we have that battle, right? We have that Romans 7 battle. So we know we're a child of God, but I'm still in this battle. He says we know that we're a child of God, and we know that we don't know what we're going to be yet. But here's what we do know, and that's another fun challenge in 1 John. Look for the word no. Look for the word no throughout the entire book and look and see what you know. As a child of God, that's what you should know. There's a whole lot of what we know. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Can you wrap your head around that? One day we're going to see Jesus face to face and we're going to be like him. Right now, today, we are created in the image of God. In his likeness, we are created. It's a fact. It's a fact that we forget sometimes that we need to hold on to. But real, like today, you are made in the image of God. Today, you are a representation of the likeness of God. But one day, you're going to see it fully. Oh, that's 
that's who I am? Oh, I wish I had that confidence then. I would have been your light so brightly if I knew. Why wait? Why wait? Shine that light now. Oh, that's good. Shine that light now. Here we go. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone, verse 3 says, and everyone who thus hopes in Jesus Christ purifies himself as Jesus Christ is pure. Maybe that's where you sit. Maybe that's the verse that you hold on to, that you pray over, that you cry over, that you joy over, that you sing over, that you proclaim, this is me, purified, pure in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing, woman? When we have our thoughts in the back of our heads of, oh, but I know. Oh, but I know. Jesus says, I'm pure. I am pure, and in my purity, you're pure. You're pure. You're pure. You're pure. The freedom and the purity of Jesus Christ, that's a whole nother study. I just love teaching scripture. <laughs> I've got all, uh, let's stay where we are. Stay on track. I'm ready to like teach indefinitely. Who needs to do anything else than like, really, verse four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning, and listen very, very closely, because sometimes we read 1 John and we think what he is saying is incredibly unattainable, but it is. Look at this, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Calls it out. It's what it is. Verse 5. He says, you know, and there's that word again, you know that he appeared, that Jesus Christ appeared in order to take away sins, you know that. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him, in Jesus, there is no sin. You know that. Verse 6, no one who abides in Jesus Christ keeps on sinning. Do you hear those words? We read First John and we think of the words, seed of evil. And we read these words and we think of the seed, or the words, seed of God. And we have this contrast in our heads. We have this contrast going on inside of us. And we read this word from John that says, No one who abides in Jesus Christ keeps on sinning. And you say, huh? You ever read First John and thought, hmm, that's, that's sweet. Because I keep on sinning. You ever wondered that? How? How do you accept the forgiveness of sins and not sin anymore? Because I sin. I heard once about a woman who once never sinned. That's what she said. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who's never sinned? They'd be quite miraculous, actually. Because we just talked about that. We shall see him when he appears. The only person that has ever lived without sin is our Savior, Jesus Christ. We may be saved from our sins. Our forgiveness of sins is in his hand. 
but we keep on sinning. But yet John says, no one who abides in Jesus Christ keeps on sinning. You say, well, then what's wrong with me? Look at this. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Wrap your head around this sentence and listen to these next three verses. I'm just going to read them. Then I pray the Holy Spirit speaks. Little children, let no one deceive you, period. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as Jesus Christ is righteous, period. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, period. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, period. Power statement. Verse 9. I lift at these words and I lay these words before the throne and it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he, you, have been born of God. So once upon a time, you can go back to Genesis chapter 4. And in Genesis chapter 4, you'll see a conflict taking place. A few conflicts. One conflict is between brothers. Cain and Abel. It's a conflict between these boys. But more importantly than the conflict before, between the two boys, there's a conflict inside one of those boys. If I can say there is roofing going on outside of our Bible study. Um, so I don't know if it's picked up on our podcast listeners, but I do apologize for the noise. Um, but scripture is louder than noise, isn't it? So we're going to stay focused on this. And I do pray that our ears are tuned into what the Holy Spirit is saying and that Satan doesn't use a the gift of a construction man. Are we so thankful for people that work so faithfully and so hard? May we pray salvation over those boys, protection over their work, and stay here and grow where God wants us to grow. In Genesis chapter 4, we see a conflict within one boy. And this boy, Cain, has a conversation with God. His words, Cain's words are shared. God's words are shared. Amazing, amazing conversation goes on. And God says to Cain, Inside of you is a contrary issue. What is that contrary issue that's going on inside of Cain that Abel was not struggling with? That inside issue was that seed of evil was growing fruit inside Cain. That was not growing fruit inside Abel. And Cain was getting angry at his brother's righteousness. And it was producing more fruit of evil inside Cain. Abel had the seed of evil in him. He was born of man. So he was born with the seed of evil. But he was so focused on God that God's seed produced more fruit in him than the seed of evil. Almost as if God's seed squashed and silenced that seed of evil. Fascinating concept. Same situation was going on inside Cain. Cain was born son of man. He had that seed of evil. He also had that opportunity to have God's seed or God's life, God's breath. That literally means the breath of God was inside Cain. But Cain said, instead of building up the fruit to God's glory, 
I'm so angry with my brother. And his eyes were so focused on his brother's righteousness that it made him so angry instead of setting his eyes on God and being so full of love. Do you see the difference? Fast forward to today, which is quite the fast forward button. Here we are in 1 John 3. And here we are with you. Here we are with me. Saved by the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood is strong. It's strong. It runs deep. Almost as if it gives us a whole brand new DNA. Put your head around that sentence. How clean and pure and free the blood of Jesus is. We are born again. Born again. Born again. Born again. That new life. That new life where that seed of evil that once was in us, right? Born of man, human, seed of evil. And then we're born again into the name of Jesus Christ. What happens to that seed of evil in God's eyes in you the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? What happens to that seed of evil? God says, I forgive you of all your sins, but not that. No. No. First John says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God does things to the fullest extent. That seed of evil is washed clean. And God's seed, God's very breath, abides in you. Do you remember that moment you got saved? And that joy that overwhelmed you, your thought of sin was not the thought that you were focusing on. You were so blown away by, for me, it was, I have a father. My father loves me. What was that thought you had that moment you got saved? That's your purity in Jesus Christ. And then life continues, and you're like, but wait a minute. If salvation even washes out that seed of evil, then why am I sinning today? Because you're human. Because we've yet to meet that person that has never sinned. However, we have a choice that's contrary in us at all times. Jesus Christ has washed us clean. Our forgiveness of sins is full and abundant. And starting today, literally today, child of God, start today with that mindset of, I am... I know I'm a child of God. I love Jesus Christ. And I have God's seed, God's breath abiding in me. And that's my choice. That's my choice. Like, but what happens when temptation comes? I don't know, what are you going to do? Have that visual in your head. Seed of evil. I want that seed of evil to come back inside of me and produce fruit. Choice A. Choice B, I have God's seed inside of me. There's no room for that seed of evil to even enter in. No room. I don't even want it. I don't want to taste it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to feel it. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. And say it out loud. When temptation comes your way, say it out loud. I have God's breath in me. I choose God's seed. And let that seed produce fruit. Almost as if you're back in Mark chapter 4. 
and you're seeing the four different soils and one of them receives the seed one of those soils receives the seed of God and does what? Produces fruit. It produces fruit. And there might be weeds that come into that garden, and there might be issues that come near that seed, but it's so focused on rooting into that seed, into that soil, and letting that seed of God produce fruit, but who cares? Who cares if temptation comes my way? Who cares if I do trip up and sin? Because now I go back to the beginning of 1 John and seek forgiveness and be like, God, I let the seed of evil in. And you put in that seed again and you focus on producing fruit from the seed of God. And that's your choice. Freedom. Does that give you some freedom in your head? We talk about having tools and having the sword of God to fight off that cycle of sin. This just cuts out the whole seed. Forget the cycle of sin. Let's just get rid of the seed. I grew up hearing a story of a little boy who prayed in Sunday school. And back in the day, preachers had illustrations. And I don't know if any of those illustrations were ever true or if they came from like a preacher illustration book just to get the scripture across. Can I say that out loud? One of these little illustrations was about this little boy who prayed every day in Sunday school. God, help me. Please get rid of the cobwebs of sin in my head. Get rid of the cobwebs of sin in my head. Every day we'd pray. And then the cobwebs would come back, and this little boy would get so frustrated. Get rid of the cobwebs of sin in my head. And then one day, according to this illustration, the little boy prays, God, can you just kill that stupid spider? <laughs> Maybe there's a point for preaching illustrations. Sometimes they work. That's what this is doing. This is what John is getting to. Forget trying to conquer that sin. I think that's actually what Satan wants us to do. Focus on, oh, I need to be good, so I need to not sin, so I'm not going to sin, not going to sin, not going to sin, not going to sin. What are you going to do? Welcome every Monday. I'm not going to eat a cookie. <laughs> Come Monday at 3 p.m., what are you eating? The more we think about temptation, the more we're going to take it. The more we fight sin, the more we're going to sin. If instead of doing that mentality that we as Christians have had for so long, because for so long we've wanted to be so pure with God, how about we take this mentality? And instead of trying to fight sin and fight temptation, how about we do what Jesus Christ did when temptation came his way and quote scripture? And how about this be the scripture that we quote? Temptation is at my door. Satan is at my door. My flesh is at the door. I'm quoting the verse that the Holy Spirit gave me today, and that's my sword. Drop the mic. Walk away. Because you have the seed of God in you. And what I love, and this is whole, we're going to end here. I believe, I feel like the time might be up. I don't know if I've gotten my indication. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we're caught up in scripture. The word abide. The word abide. And this is my personal homework. This is my personal challenge that I've got from this as I've been studying this. Is that word abide always tripped me up. Up until like literally this morning. Like this morning, like it hit me. It hit me what the word abide actually means. This is my personal challenge. This is where I'm going to be doing my study. This, uh, however long it takes, takes me to wrap my head around this. God's seed, verse 9, it says, God's seed abides in you. 
I always read John 15, and John 15, and his whole letter of John, he, he uses the word abide frequently. He's always like, abide, 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 abide. You want an answer to something? Abide. You want to do something? Abide. You have a problem? Abide. And I'm always like, how do you, huh? Seriously, how do you abide? And I've listened to like my sweet people that I adore, women speakers and pastors speak on abide, and I'm like, I hear what you're saying, I don't get it. It's always work. It's always effort. Abide, abide, abide. That doesn't match Jesus. This says God's seed abides in me. As if the breath of God is the one doing the work. And I just have to remember that it's there. That's where I'm sitting this week. God's seed abides in me. His breath abides in me. I need to remember that it's there. And you'll see something else if you're taking on your first John challenge. You're going to see another phrase about Jesus abiding in you. He starts the abiding process. We, we remember. We keep our eyes here and we focus on that and we speak that truth out loud. Isn't that good? If I can wrap my head around the fact that the Spirit is abiding in me, that His breath is abiding in me, then I can learn even more how to abide in Him because it's like a response. It's a learning process. And I can't wait to see the fruit of that learning process. That's my personal challenge. I pray you found your personal challenge, and I pray with the name of Jesus Christ that you let him lead it, and that you follow it. Let's close in prayer. Now, Father God, you're so good. You're so good, you're so big, you're so faithful, and you're so personal. It's amazing to me how personal you get with each and every single one of us. You know us by name. You know our very tears. You know the prayers in our heart. You know the praises that are spilling from our cup of joy. Father God, you know you know it all, and you call us daughter. You let us call you father. We're absolutely amazed that we get to be the child of God, and we thank you abundantly for that place, for that position. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will, that you will work. I pray that you'll remind us, set our eyes on the verse that you would have us to cling to as we move forward in showing that we have been forgiven of our sins. Help us to show it. Help us to show it, not because we're putting on a display, but because the Word of God is abiding in us. And we're so focused on that, that your fruit abounds. And I pray that you'll open our eyes to see the evidence of that fruit, that we'll see that fruit in our marriages. Father God, I pray, I pray for healing upon marriages today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us to see fruit in our children. Not because we're doing so much work and not because we're shoving forgiveness into their faces, but because we have so fully embraced that we have been forgiven of our sins, that the fruit of your forgiveness of our sins is spilling out and being seen by your children. Father God, open their eyes today to the love of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Oh, I pray salvation upon our kids today. 
I pray fruit upon that situation, that heart, that name that is on every single woman in prayer right now. You know the depth of that prayer. Answer in the name of Jesus Christ that prayer we pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for calling us yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and thank you for all these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.